So when it comes to dealing with my inner critic, I, I think that something I've realized over the past few years is that it has a lot to do with fi finding a way to relate to it. Um, and a big deal with that, and especially with all the stress we've been going through, is um, two things. One is, is differentiating just guilt from toxic shame. Because those are just messages that get crossed over, I think, when we talk about this. Um, I, and, and just shame is about our identity. Toxic shame is about our value at the core. Guilt is just our behavior. It's about, you know, it's about what, what happened and whether we regret it or not and want to shift and change how we behave in the future. And that's, that's huge. The other piece is just in that relationship with our, with our inner critic, how do we get distance from it? How do we separate from the feeling of this is all of who we are when we when we hear that voice versus this is just a part and who we are is what's observed. So th those two things have helped a whole lot, but there's there's a lot to get into. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Building Blocks, a seven part weekly podcast released in conjunction with our Building God's Way teaching series through the book of Nehemiah. Each week, we are going to talk with a member of our staff or leadership team about tools we can use if we're going to build God's way. And today, I am joined by my friend David Heitzler, who is Bridgeway's Care and Compassion Manager. And we are talking about how to deal with your inner critic. And David, so last week, I had Pastor Judah on to talk about dealing with external opposition. What do we do when we face criticism from others? But today we're talking about what do we do when we face criticism from ourselves? And and you talked in the opening there about kind of be able, being able to create some distance between sort of our core identity and those voices that I think a lot of us hear criticizing us and shaming us. How on earth do we go about doing that? <laughs> it's super <laughs> simple. But no, it's it's a complex thing. I think as I was processing to get ready for this, that's what struck me is that, man, this is subtle. And I think that we miss it so easily. And it is, I mean, what, the I think an essential thing, I mean, as, as um, Lance actually mentioned in the sermon, I thought it fits so well is that, you know, we learn to, uh, we learn to lead ourselves. And, and, and a critical piece to that, this might be something where I might get weird and therapist-y um, <laughs> for everybody, but like a critical piece to that is that we learn to treat ourselves as different parts. We are made up of different parts, different strengths, different weaknesses, and there's different roles inside of us. So it's a whole, when we talk about leading ourselves, it's a whole yeah. inner world. Um, yeah. That's the reality. And, and people, sometimes people find that weird or they think it might be a little crazy if we talk to ourselves or we're having these dialogues going on. I just I think one of the critical steps dealing with our relating to our inner critic is that um, we have to learn to, that it's normative to talk to ourselves. It's normative yeah. to have these thoughts go back and forth. And if we deny that, we're missing something. And yeah. the um, so in that, you know, you have to treat like these different parts, like things that we're in relationship with is really what I found. And, and to get separate. Honestly, one of the best things that I it, it, uh, to view the inner critic is that it is it is misappropriated anger. And one of the one of the important steps is that you know you have to kind of treat it like a friend that's out of line. That's almost <laughs> like, and we I mean I mean it that way where it's like yeah. that, you know Lance mentioned too where he talked about like Jesus wasn't nice, and and I think that's part of what we miss sometimes when we're getting that distance or talking about relating yeah. to ourselves is that sometimes he flipped a table over or he he made a whip. Like, yeah. and, and some of that is that you need to have a boundary with that part of yourself. It, yeah. There's a piece of it that's always there. And I think we can flesh that out more, but like, right. you need to have that reaction of like, no, 
that's not saying those things is not okay. And that's, that's yeah. a bit of getting the anger back in the right place, but yeah. So, uh, and now just to be clear, mm -hmm. the whole reason we're having you on here is so that you could get all therapisty on us. Yeah. So that is not something uh, you need to apologize for. I think it's fantastic. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but so I want to take a step back here. There, there's so much of what you said I, I want to explore, but, but just to yeah. take a step back, this whole concept of the inner critic, why is it, do, do you think that so many of us have that kind of internal nagging voice that is by definition critical, that is kind of second guessing us, that is telling, telling us we're not good enough, that is causing us to doubt ourselves. Why do you think so many of us deal with that? Well, I mean, that gets into a mix of, of um, probably being pastory also, but it's <laughs> a, I really do. I feel like that you, I mean, I, you probably would go here too, is that it has to do with the fall. I mean, it has to yeah. do with, it strikes me that the first thing um, that after, after choosing the fruit, the first thing that, that we did as humans that Adam and Eve did was to clothe themselves and mm -hmm. to start feeling that shame. And yeah. God's reaction was, who told you you're naked? Which yeah. I mean, I translate as who, who told you you should feel ashamed of that? Right. And, and there's something profound that, you know, he still has compassion for us and soothes us. He makes that, he makes clothing for us, but, yeah. but there is, there is something in the brokenness where there's always that deep question. Some of our deepest fear is, yeah. should we feel shame right now yeah. um, for who we are? And yeah. that's, that's where I'd begin that that's, it gets logged in and that's what the devil holds on to is that, yeah, you should feel and, and right. you need to hide. Yeah. And, and it seems like, uh, something that's so interesting to me about what you shared a little bit earlier is is I think where where the inner critic gets its power is it's almost because we we believe the inner critic sort of unquestioning un, without questioning it right? right like if if we're if we're criticizing ourselves in our minds it's almost like we, we lack the ability or we don't even think that like maybe my inner critic is not correct. Maybe I am having these thoughts that are really not helpful. And, and that's where that concept of differentiation that you talked about is, is really interesting to me. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. I mean, I think that, that again, I, my guess is most, most all of us listening can in some manner relate to the concept of an inner critic. I, I certainly can. How do we go about differentiating our inner critic from like sort of the core of who we are and how do we go about just developing the ability to kind of doubt that negative voice? I think that, so that, I mean, that's that guilt and shame thing yeah. is, is that you have to, you have to learn to start getting curious and compassionate about these messages that come up and, and start and start reflecting just that when it's so disorienting in the moment, you, I mean, if anybody relates to having these inner critic voices, these harsh judgmental voices come in, it, yeah. in the moment, you viscerally in your body feel like, oh, it proves it. Like finally, I like, like it's it, the fact that I made that mistake. You know, somebody said gave that feedback. I am worthless, or I'm yeah. not. And and you can feel that just the sunkenness in your body, that 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 mm. heaviness. And the um and then in that moment, it feels like every it feels like that's who you are. And the reality is that when you start to you start to discern, you start to get some of that compassion and and curiosity of wait what what is this message really saying this is saying that because of something i did that determines my value that's yeah. not, that's not guilt that's not that's not regret that's just this toxic shame that's this feeling that comes that's not from god 
So as soon as you get a little bit of that, you know, there's two pieces really. There's the cognitive piece where you start to you start to separate and and acknowledge to yourself there is a difference between shame and and guilt. Yeah. And we have that compass, but when we start to feel that shame, we need to have a visceral reaction. Is really what I found. You need a reaction that says like just no. Like that, <laughs> that's not how I would treat anybody. That's not how I would yeah. allow somebody I love to be treated. And yeah. you. Know, it's there's this piece of it this is the subtle part that it's like you it, it is part of us and the inner critic yeah. would say um the hope down the road is that as you learn more and more how to deal with your inner critic is that you actually your inner critic is a part of you and it has it gets a different job <laughs> because it's usually things like that uh, our critic develops because we learned, we started, we got a core belief somewhere along the way that if we're harder on ourselves than anybody else is, that'll prevent yeah. us from being criticized. Hmm. And, wow. And there's, and, and then another one is, you know, if conflict and anger with other people is so dangerous, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to push that anger down and it has nowhere to go, but it ends up going towards us. Wow. And, and yeah. so those are examples that like, if we recognize those core beliefs, you can start to get frustrated. You can start to get energized that this is something that isn't okay. You can take the whip. Yeah. It's like that yeah. has been focused on you relentlessly because of some of those beliefs. And the yeah. reason I keep referencing anger is because they've, they've done studies on this with, um, with EKGs and different, you know, measurements of like, what is the energy in our neurology when we're feeling different states? Yeah. Um, and one of the lowest is shame. It's fascinating, but I think we can all relate to it, is that one yeah. of the lowest states of existence in just that they can observe objectively is shame. Yeah. The, ones, the one steps up from that is before we get into something positive like compassion is anger. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the steps in between. And, and that's why it needs to be, I think what's so profound that I've, that I've, you know, I've, I've seen and watched people struggle through is that the reason we're stuck at shame or we hear that criticism and accept it it's because we've never learned to use anger appropriately. We've never learned huh. to in the right place. Yeah. And, and that's that's what connected so so meaningful to me and the way Lance was talking about it is that's Jesus modeled how to do that. Yeah. Okay. You you've raised like 18 questions that I now want to ask yes. that we're gonna somehow cram into the next seven minutes here. But okay, so so let's talk about that 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 anger component. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. start with the last thing you said. Uh, you, you said something to the effect of we we don't know how to process anger appropriately that it, that essentially this this inner critic and this inner shame is kind of this misappropriated anger yeah. um I, I think if i'm hearing you correctly i mean shame shame is like shame is at the bottom we want to avoid avoid shame more or less at all costs the anger component it's almost like anger is like we're at a certain floor and we can choose do we want to go down to shame or we do want to go up to something productive it's not it a perfect on where analogy we earn it. yeah yeah, yeah. it's misappropriated or it's put in the wrong place like towards yeah. ourself preemptively instead of letting yeah. it be where it needs to be yeah that's and yeah. It, it is navigating some of that so so what does it look like then to take that anger and appropriate it well appropriately to do what we should do, do something healthy with it the i think that you know there's there's so much there's these critical concepts of um you know we hear these archetypes of there's things that we need to burn off that we need to die to and then yeah. there's things that there's things that we need to integrate we need to become more whole yeah. and it's so conflicting those feel like paradoxes and and i think that 
Um, the best way I've heard, I heard a psychologist describe this, is that you know what we need to burn off, what we need to to die to the flesh, are the things that prevent integration, the things mm -hmm. that prevent that. So it's it's in this scenario, it might be the belief that, you know, I'm not allowed to be angry. Being angry is dangerous. Having conflict with other people is dangerous, um, or or only harmful. Expressing anger is going to be, or having boundaries isn't being loving, isn't being kind. Those yeah. those kinds of beliefs are are what we have to work on, and how do we, you know, those are actually, you know, this is an elaborate way. I hope this helps to describe it. But those are those are efforts to obtain control. Mm -hmm. If we can just fence ourselves in with those things that we, you know, we never have conflict, never never say a vulnerable thing about anger, it, it keeps us in a place where you know we feel in control, but we're not in relationship. And yeah. so, and that anger ends up, the anger that rightfully is there, maybe when a boundary is crossed or when, you know, when there's, when we feel resentful, maybe for some reason, this is the, these are the kind of temperaments that struggle with an inner critic regularly. Yeah. Um, and we feel like we can't express it. That's when that inner, that anger turns in on us instead of going into a place that actually is constructive to the relationship with somebody else where we have, we have anger, we have potential for conflict, potential for growth. Um, and so some of that is realizing that and then, and then how to appropriate it is just, it's allowing yourself to, um, it, it's wondering, like, okay, of what, what am I angry about? You ask the question, is yeah. anger in the right place? And then, and, and you start exploring that. That's that yeah. depending on where we're at, that can be very difficult. And that's yeah, it's almost, it's almost like we need to create a little bit of an of emotional distance from our anger to be able to kind of look at it right and to try to sort of figure out what's behind it which admittedly can be very difficult in the moment right um but but i do think you know one of the points you bring up which is that the kind of the idea that just stuffing our anger right. or just avoiding conflict at all costs is it can't be the answer because that's just not productive human relationships have to have space for the healthy processing of anger and the healthy processing of conflict without fear for the viability of the relationship, right? Now that's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that in our in our anger or in our conflict, we're not, you know, behaving inappropriately. But but man, I, th I think that too often, you know, to go back to the whole, you know, sometimes Jesus wasn't nice thing. <laughs> right. We think that if we just have to be nice all the time, that can actually be very dysfunctional. That's, that's right? what produces this place of this state of shame and and I think belittling and and degrading ourselves. Yeah, is that we've 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 niced ourselves into a corner where we feel that there's yeah. no, there, there's no place to be angry at the situation, be angry yeah. maybe something somebody else that there's a potential to have a healthy conflict with. But yeah, that's there's there's so much of that. I think so that anger piece. Is, yeah. is so critical to create that space that we're talking about. Yeah. Once, yeah. That space, once that space happens, that 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 separation, we can actually learn to have compassion and and you know there's yeah there's this profound piece of you know I think over you know as I'm struggling if I I struggle with this getting disoriented sometimes of just you know what. Why did I do that or why didn't I do that? I can't believe like that it's it, that that this happened again. And I start, I start getting that harsh tone towards myself. And yeah. what I've started asking in that moment is like, rather than asking for forgiveness, which I've done already from God, I know God forgives me. I, I start to ask like, God, help me feel how much you accept me. Hmm. Help me wow. feel in this moment that like, yeah. I'm, I'm unconditionally accepted. Because that's, yeah. that's what we're, I think, 
I think one of the questions we talked about is what is, um, what, how does it hinder our relationship with God? Because that that inner critic and that that shame starts to isolate us, and we feel yeah. that that question comes up. Fundamentally, am I acceptable? Yeah. As soon yeah. as we that distance, and we can wedge in this feeling of God, help me to feel that how much you accept me. This truth is already there. Man, and that's so powerful. I mean, because when you live out of a place of acceptance, yeah. I mean, man, the, the implications of that are, are profound. I, I think about in, in in my own life how uh, even just 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 last night took some time to sort of meditate and be quiet and be still, which I am a naturally loud and hyperactive person, so that does not come naturally to me. But but I think about how even those you know ten minutes or so that I spent just sort of being still being sort of aware of God's presence, like not letting kind of the negative thoughts sort of dominate, you know, my, my psyche. It's, it's you almost, you come out of that, like ready to be a more healthy and functional person for the, for the people around you. And right. it's almost like you're living out of this place of feeling God's presence and God's acceptance, as opposed to living out of the kind of the anxiety and fear that comes from just listening to those negative voices all the time. Spending, yeah. Constantly. That's, that's yeah. like that's what it yeah. feels like to me. It's just that yeah. when we do get, you need to distance from that shame, the toxic thing that's that that's trying to yell over everything, and then you yeah. have space, like you just said, like that. You know, when we give ourselves that quiet and and that peace to feel it yeah. in that acceptance, that's it. Feels like we're you know, that's the that's the home in the prodigal father story. I mean, the prodigal son yeah. story. Like that's that's what it's like to feel him embrace us in that moment. It's so yeah. so. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, we're almost out of time here, but I have one more thing I want to ask you about, and that is, uh, so so when it comes to external criticism, there's that part of me that like I don't trust myself to be able to really discern what is criticism I need to take to heart and need to change, and then what is just sort of random, you know, whatever. I just it's just critic need to just ignore it. I don't trust myself because I feel like I am sort of too hyper-focused on my own interests sometimes, which is why I think just talking to others and just trying to maintain a posture of openness to correction is important. I, I think when it comes to internal criticism, I have that same suspicion, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that I don't want to just ignore yeah. everything outright because I feel like that could be a sign of some sort of defense mechanism or whatever the case may be. Right. How, do, how, if at all, do we go about kind of discerning, okay, what maybe is maybe the voice of God bringing conviction through our inner critic? And what is, say, the enemy just discouraging us and beating us down and getting us to a, a shame place? Can you give us any insight into how we can differentiate between those two things? Well, I think that, the, I mean, the Bible, the Bible talks about us going, seeking wise counsel. Um, and, and especially for our inner, and I, I love what Lance said. He got it from a leadership seminar. But it was that you don't, don't accept criticism from anybody that you wouldn't seek advice from. Yeah. And, and that, that, that just feels profound. I mean, relatable to this, but also it's when we're talking about our, the criticism from, in, from our inner world, from what's going on inside, often we, I think we need a mirror and that's part mm -hmm. of why God tells us to, you know, to invite him into our heart and to seek counsel with safe people. So whether that's therapy or a mentor or a family member or a pastor or somebody that's safe that you would seek advice from, you really respect how they live their life and how they, um, and, and, you know, and, and the experience you have with them feels safe. It feels accepting. Yeah. And 
I would say that that's critical to just kind of picking up what's going on and then and then evaluating with God and with with somebody that loves us. Like what yeah. is what is what feels like it's becoming shame about our identity? And yeah. what and what is guilt? What is something that cuz once you get once you get start doing that and you get some more clarity about you get really good at recognizing it. It's because yeah. guilt is about, you know, it's about a decision and consequences. It's mm -hmm. that I you know, it's it's that, you know, I let myself get really tired and hungry, and I, and in that moment when my wife brought up something that we always have friction about, I let myself snap, and I went and I said things for ten minutes that I wish I didn't say because it, it put it put more distance between us. Then, yeah. um, then I and I want to feel close to her. I want to feel her to feel safe with me. Right. And. So it's that, you know, how can I, I feel guilty about that whole scenario. One, how I cared for myself. I want to do that different. And two, that, yeah. you know, I needed to take a, I needed to take a break in that moment and realize and, and with, and take a step back before I started engaging. So yeah. it's, but that's not who I, but the, the key thing is that it's not shame. I, I can frame it from that perspective. Of, Man, that's not who I am. Yeah. I want to, I want, I want to do something different next time. And yeah, I think the other part of that, so guilt is healthy. Regret is healthy. It's about the, it's about behaviors and consequences. Um, there's a healthy type of shame, and that's what's interesting. As I, I usually mesh them with guilt, but there is a, and that looks like, you know, healthy shame is not about our identity. Healthy shame is more about social awareness. Um, hmm, interesting. Healthy, healthy shame is, you know, we might have gone through some very. A lot of us have gone through some very difficult things, and and it's about respecting. The severity and and the, um, I think the value of those those experiences, and we might that some healthy shame might be that I don't share, I don't share those hard experiences with everybody, because I know that not you know everybody in a group of fifty people or or a random table of people I've I just met, might not be safe, and they we don't have the framework for the relationship to contain that yet because this is too valuable. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's an example of the functionality of what healthy yeah. shame looks like, but it's actually valuing what right. is going on for you and what your experience was. It's yeah. not saying if they found out I won't be acceptable. Hmm. It's, yeah. it, it's being aware that, you know, this might not be a trustworthy relationship yet. Right. That, that's a big, well, and, and that social awareness component is, is huge and that there's a real opportunity for learning there when we yeah. begin to acknowledge that but but and i think more broadly um i i've i'm a big fan of Brene brown i've learned a lot yeah. from her over the, over the years uh but one of a quote of hers that i that i really love is she says talk to yourself like you would to someone you love and you sort of alluded to that a little bit ago and and i think that you know you and i can think about the way we might talk to our spouse or our children or a close friend or uh, a relative who who means a great deal to us and and there's just there's something different about those types of conversations where, where even if it has to be hard, like at the end of the day, I, I want what is best for them. Right. Yeah. And I know you would say the same to the people that, you know, that you're close to, like whether it's a hard conversation or not, the goal is, is their well-being and, and what is best for, for right. them. And if that's not the case, then I got to look at, you know, what's going on inside, inside me. Right. But, but I think even, even to be able to do that with yourself to say, okay, all right, you know, Brian, you're, you're, this is not going great. You need to make some adjustments, but the goal is not, and look how horrible you are. The goal right. is, man, there's, there's potential here to be realized. And, and I think that's where we can really partner with God and kind of restore in, in sort of this restorative work 
as opposed to kind of collapsing into into shame, right? Right. Shame isolates us. Partnering, yeah. partnering, I think, is where the healing and the redemption comes in. We partner with somebody we love. We partner with God who drives us to connect with somebody we love. And, yeah. and that's what's so, somebody we love is and is safe. And, and yeah. that, that's what's so profoundly true. I think that, you know, if there's, um, there's a good, there's a good book from a faith-based perspective called, uh, boundaries for your soul. If you guys want to get therapisty, um, yeah, there you go. it's, but it's a, it talks about this, this, how to treat yourself, identify there's different parts in you and treat yourself like somebody you love. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, I think that it's, there's a lot of healing that can come from those kind of frameworks and things, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's very true. And I can attest, I read that book because you told me to, and it was very helpful. So there it is. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, hey, thank you, uh, David, for your, your insights today. Super helpful stuff, man. I know that just dealing with inner critic is, again, something so many of us, so many of us face. And I hope for, for all of you that were able to listen, that you're able to take something away to kind of get control of that inner critic, to talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love and ultimately uh, join God in his work of, of building you up strong so that you can participate uh, fully in his work in the world. Thanks to Lucian for taking this and making it sound good. And thank you to all of you for listening. And once again, David, thanks for your insights. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Take care, guys.